Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hi, you're listening to Leech Fest. My name is Nia Mulder. And my name is Raluca Mundano. This is a medical history podcast with equal parts science and jokes in poor taste, more commonly known as all of human history. In today's episode, we're going to discuss one of the deadliest epidemics in human history that's known by many names. The plague, the pestilence, the great mortality, the bubonic plague, or more commonly, the black death. Before we go any further, there's a very special patron we'd like to say thank you to. Mm -hmm. And his name is Christopher Barden. Thank you, Christopher, for supporting the podcast. Mm -hmm. We couldn't do it without you. And of course, thanks to every patron out there that's helping us support and host and do all of the work that goes into making a podcast. It's more than you'd think. But before we dive into the dance of death, how have you how have you been? What's up? I'm... <laughs> What's up? What up? What's up? Um, I, I'm, I'm really good. I got um, noise-canceling earphones, and it's changed my life. Like, I'm somebody who's really sensitive to sound. <laughs> Like, you know, people talking behind me, like in the bus or like people talking in crowds and things like that. Like, I can't stand it. Mm. And being able, like the fact that you're able to just Shut it out. not have that is amazing. It's amazing. Like, I, I'm I'm floored. I had no you're idea. I, I, I had no idea you could do that. You're free from the world of noise. Yeah. I can imagine it's like a big shift if you wear it all day and then you take it oh off my God. at the end of the day. And you have, have to be confronted with reality again. You have no idea. Like, if you wear them all day... And then you're like waiting for the bus or something and you're taking them off. Like the sound just inundates you. Like you have no idea how much sound there is until mm. you pause it mm. for a few hours. Anyway, how are you? I'm good. Not much has happened. Mm -hmm. uh, in the life of a YouTuber, uh, Not when not a lot happens, it's pretty good. I've been reading Jordan Peterson's new book. Mm. It's not good. I've been reading Karl Marx again. Ooh. The old classics. Mm. Um, I've been reading, I've been reading a little bit of Darwin as well, actually, based on our last episode. I got into... How cultured of you. I am very cultured, actually. Mm. I am a YouTuber who, who I'm very, reads. I, I'm very smart, actually. I'm actually very intelligent. <laughs> okay. I have half of a master's degree <laughs> before I dropped out to become a model. Anyway, do you want to get into the dance of death? The pestilence, the great mortality. Let's do it. Okay, for the occasion of this topic, we decided we would do something a little bit different this episode. We haven't done it before and we're not sure if you guys are gonna like be into it, but we figured we are gonna do a little quiz of could you survive the plague? Oh god. <laughs> It's a, it's a segment. It's this a new a, segment of the show. It's well, a game show. Yeah, we'll see. Segment. We'll see how it goes. We'll see if we want to do it again. But we thought it might be fun to do. I've mm -hmm. I've done it before, so I've done it once just to go through the questions, and I thought it was pretty fun. So now I'm gonna read the questions to you, and you're gonna have to tell me what you what you pick, and then at the end we find out if you're gonna be able to survive. the If plague. I'm gonna survive the plague. Yeah. Okay. So it's the plague segment of the show. I yeah. like this. Yeah. So. All right. All, All right. right. I'm dirty. I'm ready. I'm ready for this quiz show. I'm ready to win the money. <laughs> uh, okay. First question. Where do you live? A village, a town, the city, a house in the middle of nowhere. Well, I live in a city. Okay. 
like technically I do live in a city, one of one of Sweden's largest cities, but by American standards, you're probably like a village. Who do you live with? Your parents, on your own, your partner, your friends? I live with roommates, so I guess my friends? Which How... probably isn't great. I, mean, I can see that I'm not going to survive the plague already. How old are you? 10 to 21, 22 to 34, 35 to 48, 49. I'm 27 years old. Yeah, okay. I didn't, I didn't need to ask that. No. How many glasses of water do you drink a day? One to two, two to four, four to six, six plus. Um, one to two. Okay. That's not true. Select. <laughs> four, uh, four to six, I would okay. say. All right. I drink, I drink a lot of tea and tea is water. I didn't, I didn't know we were allowed to lie on the quiz, but okay. Okay. Why do you think people are getting sick? Dirty air, the four humors are unbalanced, the wrath of the gods or planetary alignment. Oh, I mean, dirty air. The air is bad around sick people. That's why it goes. How would you treat the illness? Rub onions on the boils, drink vinegar, sit close to the fire and sweat it out, or pray to a higher power? Probably drink vinegar, actually. <laughs> I feel like that's something that I would do. I, yeah. I, mm, no, I would rub onions on the boils. I, they, uh, that's probably my thing. I would <laughs> chop up a couple of onions and just rub them all over me. I think that's what... That's I'm, so, I'm so curious, because the questions are just going to get weirder. I'm so curious, like, what your your basis is for it <laughs> because i think it would it would it would sting and it would sting so bad and there's a part of me that thinks that like if something stings that means it's good for you like if it doesn't hurt you if it just stings and if it stings on the bad part as in boils <laughs> in my mind it's like it hurts the boils therefore it's healing me it's a very it interesting doesn't make any sense interpretation but... um what is your profession butcher blacksmith tailor laborer I'm a YouTuber, which I'm, I guess would the closest would be like maybe Taylor or Blacksmith. Like I'm. I, How is that the closest? You're a laborer. Well, I'm not. I don't do any hard labor. Like I, I, I would say Taylor. Okay, actually. so how are you Taylor. a blacksmith? <laughs> because I, I would, I, I produce value in my own home. But that blacksmith is also hard labor, so I would say Taylor. Okay, Taylor. It, it's the most like chill of those professions, and I have a very chill. I don't think so. I think they used to work a ton yeah but compared to the like other with ones, their finger i mean compared to butcher or blacksmith like they would work so hard i don't i think it's i think it's hard life was hard, hard back work. then do you have any pets no a cat a dog something else i do not have any pets um, finally something good uh okay you find out one of your close friends is sick what do you do rush to their aid never see that friend again find a doctor or pray for them i would probably find a doctor i think if, if, if I wasn't already in their presence, like if, if I was already removed from them, I would find a doctor. I wouldn't rush to their aid. Because if, if my friend have COVID, I'm not going to go to them and be like, hi, let's hang out. Like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay, winning question. You see a rat scurry under your bed. What do you do? Catch it and eat it. You haven't eaten in days. Kill it. Leave your home and never come back or befriend the rat. I want... The chaotic answer is eat it. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like, you know, that's probably not the best thing to do currently but this is me we're talking about i would leave my home and never come back i would be scared i would I, be scared i chose befriend the rat and you can imagine That's what else not answer great I got. for the plague <laughs> no but they're so cute yeah. and finally what would you do if you survived the plague move far away and never come back drink mead and try to forget write a sonnet about your experiences vow to find a cure for this awful ailment I would drink mead and try to forget. Easy. You got, you died a horrible death. Perfect. <laughs> Things were starting to look up at one point when your boils stopped oozing pus. Because of the onions. Wait, is it pus or pus? Pus. 
Um, I think it's the onions, right? Like yeah, the onions. Yeah, helping the saving. It is great. This was good. Good decision. Mm-hmm. This was short-lived, as the next morning your sickness and diarrhea reached explosive levels, and you eventually died a cruel and gruesome death in your lover's arms. Yeah, that that tracks. Mm. I would die of explosive diarrhea in the Middle Ages. I feel like, with my diet, with my diet and with, the diseases of the time, like your, I would be dead by fourteen. With your immune system. With my immune mm. system, I would be. I wouldn't even have reached childhood. Yeah. That's a horrifying thought. Well, anyway, I'm sorry. Well, that's a quiz segment. <laughs> I died. I like the segment. Maybe I'll bring a segment to you next time to talk about how you died. If it makes you feel any better, I also die a horrible death. Probably because I'd be friends with the rat. Probably, yeah. And I think also... I feel like there's a lot of... I feel like like maybe 8 out of 10 results on this quiz is you die a horrible death. Yeah. I mean, statistically. Statistically, you would die of the plague. And we're going to get into why in just a second. So, as always, we start the episode with me going a bit into what the disease is, talking about what causes it and what the symptoms are and all the scientific background that we need to understand it. So, there are actually a few theories about the cause of the Black Death, but the main theory is that it was caused by a known motile, rod-shaped Cocobacillus bacterium called Yersinia pestis. The bacterium was discovered in 1894 by Alexander Yersin, during an epidemic of the plague in Hong Kong. That's why it's called Yersinia pestis. Yeah, it actually was called something else, but then after he discovered it, he gave it his own name. That's that's men cool. men love doing that. <laughs> Just giving them that's pretty cool because I've heard the term Yersinia pestis. Mm-hmm. I don't know the origin of the name. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember what it was called differently before, but it was something else. Mm. Um, so typically, the bacteria is spread from fleas to rodents. And the oriental rat flea is like a common vector for the bacteria. So the bacteria is stored in the gut and it causes a blockage. And the flea then regurgitates the bacteria into the bite side because it's trying to like get rid of it. It's yeah, like, Bleh. it's constipated. <laughs> it's like trying to throw it out because it's like all blocked up. Uh-huh. Um, so as it bites, it like vomits the bacteria into the bite side. Um, and so the bacteria is flushed into the bite site and into the bloodstream of a host, um, causing infection. Transmission to humans is usually through the bite of infected fleas. If the disease in humans has progressed to the pneumonic stage, humans can then spread the disease to others through coughing, vomiting, and sneezing. Okay, so the flea bites allow for the bacteria to pass in the skin barrier. Let's talk a bit about how the bacteria actually causes disease. So the bacteria is able to suppress and avoid normal immune responses like phagocytosis and antibody production. For example, Yersinia is able to inject Yersinia outer proteins, otherwise called Yops, into macrophages. Yops? <laughs> yeah. I knew what, a cu- what a cute name I for know. a horrifying disease. I know. Well, it's not a disease, it's a protein, but... Well, still, for a hor- okay, well, you know, it, it still it, causes death. It suppresses eventually. your immune system, yeah. They're yeah. called Yops. Yops. I, I knew you'd like that. <laughs> Um, so the proteins, the, the yops, form pores in the outer membranes and have been linked to cytolysis, so cell bursting. So basically they like poke holes in the cells and then the cells burst and mm-hmm. die, obviously. Um, the injected yops also limit cell signaling pathways and phagocytosis, which are important to the innate immune system. In addition, some Y. pestis strains are capable of interfering with immune signaling, for example, by preventing the release of some cytokines. So in short, it it like suppresses your immune system mm. and it destroys important components of the immune system. Mm-hmm. That's not great. 
Oh no, it sucks. Yeah, you you need one of those. <laughs> However, I want to say that while the Y pestis bacterium theory is the most widely accepted one, there are other theories as well. In 2001, Susan Scott and Christopher Duncan, respectively a demographer and a zoologist from Liverpool University, proposed the theory that the Black Death might have been caused by an Ebola-like virus, not a bacteria. This is because the plague spread faster and the incubation time was shorter than other white pestis-caused plagues. Similarly, historian Norman Cantor has suggested that the Black Death may have been a combination of pandemics, including a form of anthrax, which is an infection caused by the bacterium Bacillus anthracis, as well as a slew of infectious diseases affecting cattle and sheep. His rationale include reports of symptoms not consistent with known effects of other plague infections, the discovery of anthrax spores in a plague pit in Scotland, and the fact that meat from infected cattle was known to have been sold in many rural English areas prior to the plague outbreak. So as you can see, there is a lot of other theories about what caused the Black Death, we don't have time to go over it, so we're just gonna go with like the most accepted and widespread theory. Um, but if you're interested in it, and you should because it's very interesting, I, I highly suggest that you go and read about it. So let's talk about the plague itself, like the illness. So typically we know the plague as the bubonic plague, and that is because that is the most common form of the plague. However, Yersinia pestis can cause the plague in three different forms bubonic, septicemic, and pneumonic. So, bubonic plague. This form of plague is the most common of all, so more than 80% of all cases. It takes its name from the infected lymph nodes called bubos. The illness progresses as such. About six days after suffering the infected flea bite, the victim develops a blackish pustule at the point of the bite. This is followed by a swelling of the lymph nodes in the affected limb as the body tries to cope with the infection. Finally, subcutaneous hemorrhage occurs, causing purplish blotches. Without proper treatment, the white pestis bacteria could spread through the bloodstream and a person could develop septicemic plague. Late-stage symptoms include extreme pain caused by the decay or decomposition of the skin while the person is alive, extreme fatigue, gastrointestinal problems, spleen inflammation, delirium, coma, organ failure, and death. So basically everything just goes wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, everything I... that you can imagine like in the most horrifying way goes wrong with you. I also read some stuff about how it can cause neurological problems, so um, I think it's. I think this is also like the delirium. So y y people used to also like go mad. Yeah, which makes sense. Like if you're, <clears throat> even if it doesn't, even if the bacterium itself it doesn't cause these things, there's like the pain and suffering that it would cause, like would make anyone go mad. I, I think it's more linked to the fever, but yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, so septicemic plague. This form of plague is the second most common, and it can result from the bubonic plague. It can develop when the pestis bacteria spreads through the bloodstream and causes a blood infection, called septicemia. The first symptoms of septicemic plague can include nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and abdominal pain. And then the person can also develop severe bleeding problems, including sudden bleeding under the skin, scattered bruises, blood in the urine, and abnormal bleeding from the mouth, nose, and rectum. The bleeding problems can be followed by signs of shock, like severe drop in blood pressure, rapid pulse, and unconsciousness, kidney failure, severe breathing difficulties, and death. I do like that they include death in I the know. end. Like, it can cause all of these problems, and death. Yeah, like, death is a symptom. <laughs> like, it will, it, you will suffer extremely and die. I know. Like, you won't just die of, like, the postules or whatever. You will suffer from those things, and then you die, like, as, as a separate, <laughs> unique thing. That's horrifying. What, el what else do we have on this menu of horror? Your wife leaves you. <laughs> 
No, but I mean like your we, dog dies. But we, you lose your job. We have the bubonic plague, which gives you bubos, and then you die. Yeah. There's the what was the other one called? A septicemic. A septicemic plague, where you shit yourself and then you die. Stop. What What's next? <laughs> well, next is pneumonic plague. Actually, do Do you want to hear about pneumonic I plague? Because it also plague. it it sucks too. Great. They, all of these suck. So this one is very rare, and it happens when the bacteria infects the lungs and cause pneumonia. And it, it develops when a person breathes in droplets of uh, white pestis from an animal or person who has the plague in the lungs. Symptoms include high fever, chills, headaches, chest pain, rapid breathing, severe shortness of breath, and cough that might bring up blood. And without proper treatment, the disease can quickly lead to death. So it seems, honestly, it seems less painful. Mm. Your like your skin doesn't rot while you're still alive, mm-hmm. but you don't bleed from every orifice. But uh, I mean, any any disease that causes like breathing problems, mm-hmm. like because you're just like choking. Yeah, I mean, all of these are lethal. all of these are are really like, bad. Yeah, highly deadly. The mortality rate for all of these things are are yeah enormous. yeah. And we're gonna talk about disease prognosis more in detail later. Mm. But um, I can I can mention here that like even now this is a pretty serious disease. Like. Even with hospital care, as many as 10% of plague patients in the United States die. Mm. So, you know, it's not like, haha, plague. <laughs> no, the plague is still like... Haha, <laughs> I got the... Very Yeah, it's, it's really... It's bad. I wouldn't want to... Mm. I wouldn't want to get it. All right. So now we know just how horrifying this disease is, mm-hmm. how this plague is and how it kills you in various horrifying ways. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to compare because they all kill you eventually in most cases. In, in just the most horrifying way. But that's the bacterium, right? That's the bacterium that causes the plague. We're going to talk about the Black Death specifically, which is not just this, the, vi- the bacteria, uh, but is the pandemic it caused in Europe. So we've talked about the bacterium, Yersinia pestis, right? But this episode is called the Black Death, which is to date, and at the time, the most deadly pandemic that has ever happened. And when it happened, it was the most deadly, and no, no pandemic since has ever topped it. Nobody tops oh. the Black Death. No one can top the Black Death. It is the supreme top it's of sup- all diseases and pandemics. Between 1347 and 1351, the pandemic is estimated to have killed between 30 to 60% of Europe's population. And in total, the plague may have reduced the world's population from an estimated 475 million to 350 million. So almost like a quarter of the entire global population died in a span of four years. But how did it come to Europe? Because this is a pandemic that primarily happened in Europe and in, in, in the Mediterranean world. Well, there are a few theories as to how it came to Europe. Or rather, the origins. We kind of know where, how it came to Europe, and I'll get into that. But the, the original origins of the, of the disease is kind of hard to pin down. As is common, unfortunately, the bacteria probably evolved either near or in China. And that it probably like, immediately traveled west with either trade caravans, war bands, or ships. Probably all of the above. Because the bacteria, at least this time, didn't cause a plague outbreak in either India or China around the same time. If we look at records, they didn't have the Black Death. It doesn't match up with the timelines. There are some signs, though, where it could have originated thanks to old graves. Nestorian graves in Kyrgyzstan. Nestorianism is a type of Christianity, I believe. Mm -hmm. 
uh, who who existed in that area, very close to to uh, modern day China and again modern day Kyrgyzstan. The, the graves dated back to 1338, and they mentioned plague. So it's like it is before before the epidemic reached Europe by like almost a decade. Mm. Uh, they mention that they died of plague. So some scientists and epidemiologists think that this may have been like the origin point, like in Kyrgyzstan, or that it like that's one of the first places where it passed through. But some argue that it could be China. Some argue that it could, could be somewhere like in Mongolia. But what we do know for certain is that it did hit Europe and it hit it hard. But it's not the first time it's been in Europe. 800 years earlier, the Justinian plague was probably caused by the same bacterium and had a similar sort of outbreak. Also one of the worst pandemics to ever hit humanity. But this specific uh, epidemic came to Europe for certain via Italian trading ports in modern-day Crimea. I'm going to say modern-day Crimea because if I say the country, it's going to be controversial to some people. And we know this for certain because they kept pretty good logs about where like disease outbreaks happened. So we can track it pretty uh, succinctly from these Italian trading ports into Constantinople, which is modern-day Istanbul which was at the time controlled by the Byzantine Empire. And from there, it jumped to Greece, into Italy. And from there, it just kept jumping from port to port all of the Mediterranean and then all over Western Europe. And as it infected a port, it would spread inland from these ports. But it did hit the coastlines first, because ships are faster than people, and like slowly encroached on, on the inland territories of Europe. As it spread throughout the Mediterranean, it infected both the Christian world to the north, but it also infected the Muslim world to the south. And they had very different ways of dealing with with the plague initially. They had very... Um, different views different of the views. plague. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yes, ma'am, they the did. The initial impressions. First, first date with the plague. <laughs> the Christians have one view, the Muslims have quite another. Um, yeah, so... The Christian view was a lot more self-punitive, I would say, than the Muslim view. So the Christian believed that the plague was a punishment from God for humanity's sins, which is a common theme we've noticed through pandemics, right? right? Like Christians are always like, it's because of sins, we're getting punished. Mm. Um, a big theme in Christianity a, generally, I think. Yeah, like, yeah. Everything bad happening is because we haven't been pious enough. Yeah. Muslims, on the other hand... They thought that the plague was a gift from God, which provided martyrdom for the faithful. Another difference between Christians and Muslims is that Christians, especially in the early period of the outbreak, tended to leave a plague-stricken region for one with better air, which was not infected. Muslims, on the other hand, would not enter, nor did they flee plague-stricken regions. They instead would remain in peace. Lastly, Christians believed that the plague was contagious, which they were right about, and that it could be passed between people. But so, but they also thought that one could protect oneself through prayer, penitence, charms, and amulets. Muslims, however, believed that the plague was not contagious because it came directly from God to specific individuals according to God's will. It's very interesting because the Muslim world was also far less impacted by the plague. Mm. Probably because of that thing about staying in place. Mm. Like not leaving a plague-ridden area, because then people bring the plague with them. Right, but, I also, but, but they also thought that it was not contagious. So they thought that if, if you are not meant to have it, then mm. no matter how much you interact with somebody who has it, you won't get it. So mm. I don't expect that they quarantined very much. Probably not. So I don't think that that helped. Mm. Maybe they just got lucky. 
I'm not really also, sure. Also, like the Muslim world during this time was also like way cleaner than the yeah, Christian yeah. world. Hygiene so probably, probably played helped. a big role. Yeah, like just sure. the fact that they like washed their hands every day, mm-hmm. like helps. Yeah. Another reason why this epidemic hit Europe so severely was because once it hit ports, it spread quickly inland via human fleas. Mm-hmm. Right, as we mentioned, it probably came to Europe via fleas that lived on rats on ships. Mm. So rats are, despite people saying that this is a myth that it's busting, mm. rats are partly to blame here, actually. Yeah. Because um, they did carry them. But once those fleas hit humans, gonzo. <laughs> those those fleas were everywhere. Humans carried them all over Europe at that point. So that's where hygiene plays a role. Exactly. Like if, if people were more clean, like took showers and got rid of the, the fleas, then, of course, infection would... Infection rates would be lower. Yeah, exactly. If you live in filth, like most of Europe is in, uh, during this then time. Then you're going to have fleas. Then you're going to have fleas. Then you're going to have the plague. Like, Whereas the Muslim world, I'm sorry, I'm like doing shaming. philosophy in Baghdad, <laughs> having great times with wine, f- fine silk robes. Europe is like swimming in its own shit. And one's like, why am I getting the plague? <laughs> you're so mean. <laughs> I'm so... It's medieval Europe. If anyone deserves to be cyberbullied, it's medieval Europe. Where are they going to read it? Twitter? They don't have Twitter. Why? Because they're stuck in the dark ages. I feel bad making fun of them for not washing. I mean... They didn't have access to it. This is an accessibility issue. They did have access to it. Just go to a river. Just go to a lake okay, and but they wash. didn't have soap so much. Yeah, they did. They did? Yeah, they had soap. Soap was invented in, like so, before I mean, the Roman Empire. Okay, like, unrelated to plague. I... As a non-historian, mm-hmm. just kind of thought that people didn't wash because they didn't, like, have... A, like, I thought soap was kind of a luxury item. I mean, it, it is more of a luxury item, but, like, you could still... There are other types of things that they could use as soap. Mm-hmm, like like like, uh, like like clay? Yeah, various types of berries. Right? Uh, <gasps> some berries. people would rinse themselves in sand. That was probably... Was... Like piggies. Yeah, like, but like it works. Like if you rinse yourself in sand and water at the same time, it's going to scrub you out. Like it exfoliates you a little bit. Well, it exfoliates you, but does it... I mean, if you rub enough clean water and everything, you're going to get rid of most Because, anyway. I mean, soap gets rid of bacteria. That's how it makes you clean. Yeah, but if you, if you, if you like clean yourself with water and like scrub yourself, like that helps more it than if help. you don't do anything at all. So what, were they just lazy? Well, it, it, it was, uh, it was, it wasn't like... They weren't lazy, but, like, a lot of people were... It is an accessibility issue in the sense of, like, most people wash their clothes more rarely mm-hmm. in Europe than they in other places. Like, mm-hmm. they, a farmer might have, like, one outfit, mm-hmm. and that's it. And they wouldn't take them off for every, sleeping. Every day he puts on his little outfit, <laughs> goes out to do his little farmer tasks. No, that's tasks. the thing, though. He, he, most times he wouldn't even take it off to go to bed. Yeah, I know they slept in in the outfit. Yeah, they slept and worked in the same outfit. Yeah, and like even even rich people, like up until the seventeen hundreds, sometimes just wouldn't take off their socks. There's there's a legend. I don't remember his name, but like there's a legend of an English philosopher who didn't take off his socks for like thirty years or some shit like mm. that. And they become embedded. And in they his became skin. embedded in his skin. I saw that. I saw that. Like nasty. I mean, it should be said like people did like if they you know if they had a dirt if they had dirt on their hand they would rinse it off, but they right. weren't like. They didn't have this, like, idea of, like, whole body cleanliness. Like, they would wash their hands, maybe, or they would, like, rinse themselves off or rinse their clothes. But they would still be, like, flea infected and dirty. But I want, okay, but why? Because, okay, one thing is the clothes, but you can just leave them on the riverbank while you go in and take a dip, you know? Just, mm. ri- like, rinse off the sweat from a long day of laboring. But why would you do that? If, they, if you don't have a concept of, of, of that being a good thing, then why would you? True. 
Interesting. Very interesting. Like, yeah, you you smell less bad, but, it, but now you're cold and your clothes may be wet, like I'm going to be naked. True. Like, I'm, and everybody was smelly, so I guess they, they yeah, the weren't... Was like, you just kind of like got used to the smell. Yeah. There's going to be some like hygiene historian that's like, actually, they were more clean than you thought. Well, I mean, they still got the plague and fleas, so... I'm going to let you deal with the actually historians. <laughs> it's my responsibility to deal with the actually scientists. Yes. It should be said, like, okay, yeah. Medi- Divin- medieval- division of labor. <laughs> medieval U- Europeans, like, you know, they did wash themselves like, on occasion. Yeah. They weren't, like, as nasty as I'm making them out to be. But they were way nastier than, like, the Muslim world <laughs> in comparison here. Or, like, the Jewish communities that we're going to get into. And they were, they were dirty enough to carry fleas. Like, yeah. that's what we're interested in. Exactly. Um... One explanation as to why these fleas targeted humans so much is because when the rats died, as often happened, like when a ship goes into port mm-hmm. and they kind of like clean out the ship, mm-hmm. the rats flee the ship and they may not find food because now there's too many rats in the city and the rats die. And the fleas, they have to find a host. So mm. they jump to humans. But they also infested like all sorts of animals, not just humans. So obviously people in Europe... Uh, saw this and realized that like hey this is really bad half of people infected are dying we need to turn to doctors to help us deal with this i love okay i love how you say like they they thought this is really bad for some reason i'm imagining like a bunch of like medieval stoners sitting around in a circle and just being like Bruh. yo this dude that's like really bad Yo. Yo. And then they all became plague, doc- <laughs> plague uh, doctors. Mm-hmm. You may have seen like memes about plague doctors. Mm, I love um, them. Where they wear like the big, big hats. The beak. Almost like a big hazmat suit and iconically a big beak with mm-hmm. like two little things on their eyes. They had reasons for all of these things, by the way. Today we're kind of making fun of them, the, the, the beak doctors. But they, they had a lot of cool things. First of all, they became more standardized. Because doctors realized that like, some, some outfits are more effective than other outfits. Mm-hmm. Some things work better than other things. For example, the, the leather coats that they would wear, they would be coated in wax that, that like, was hydrophobic. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't, no, no bodily fluids from a would patient stain. would stain. They would have like, a big stick so they could inspect their patients from a distance. <laughs> they just poke them from like two meters away, just... Eh. Mm-hmm. And of course, iconically, they would have the beak. And we mentioned the the bad air theory. Mm-hmm. That like people thought that like something smells bad here. It is carrying it is like, carrying... poisonous particles. Exactly. And they don't have an idea of like mi- microscopic bacteria mm-hmm. or chemicals. They have smell. So they counter that smell by filling this beak with like flowers and herbs and spices to counteract uh, to counteract the uh, the bad, the bad smells. smells. Mm. The, the glasses that they would wear, they would be tinted, I believe, red. And that is because they also had a theory of the plague maybe being transmitted by evil eye. Oh. So uh, a person who has the plague may have been cursed by God to, like, have an evil eye. And if they looked at you, that's how you became sick. And so the idea was that, like, if you have, like, a tinted glass, it would be a barrier between. It might not be effective, but it, it's better than nothing. So they had a bunch of different theories as to, like, everything. Hmm. But the result is they had eye barriers like glasses so this is a very early example of like protective equipment mm-hmm. and it did kind of work like we're talking about like a hazmat suit here doctors 
you know, did also get the plague and get infected, but like far less so than the general population, mm. even if they really didn't know what they were doing when yeah. they were treating them. Yeah, because I mean, they also had like gloves and boots mm-hmm. and the, the 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 big coats, mm-hmm. like you say, they were hydrophobic. They wouldn't get like splashed, mm-hmm. I guess, especially when people got pneumonic plague and they would like cough and sneeze in your face. You know, they didn't get to inhale mm-hmm. those particles. Yeah. Good, good job, plague doctors, for inventing protective, personal protective equipment. Yeah. So clearly, the plague doctors knew how to protect themselves, whether they knew or not how that protection works is a different question. But they, they, they protected themselves. Hmm. Now, did they actually know how to treat the patients would be the next question. Well, they had multiple strategies for treating the plague. Some of the things the doctors recommended, including eating figs and onions cooked with yeast and butter. I like this. That is supposed to have softened the boils. Mm. Bleedings were very common as well, as well as burning aromatic herbs and bathing in rose water or vinegar. Mm. I guess this kind of is linked to the miasma theory, mm-hmm. where they thought that if you can eliminate the bad smells, then you're good. Also, it sounds like a good spa treatment. Like, I'd pay getting, for this now. Getting blood and then taking a bath in vinegar. Yeah. Like, no. a little bath in rose water. I'd love to take a bath in rose water. Yeah. But yeah, I, this is very much like a rich person thing. Like a peasant would not be able to afford no, a plague I doctor. No, I think so. So another another thing that they did was they would cut open the boils and they would burn them with the red hot iron. Oh, I heard this. Uh, so the cutting the boils open, they they believed that that would release the uh, the poison, mm. and so you would release the poison and then you would cauterize the the wound, yeah. the boil, like rebalance the humors a little bit. Because like, well, that was the bleeding part. Oh yeah. Um, obviously that wasn't helping yeah. and also the fact I mean they were using unsterilized equipment obviously they, it was mm. and they would reuse that equipment too that's also something exactly. that like they not only would not be sterile like they would they would go from patient to patient to patient in using the same equipment because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they don't have an idea of microbiology. <laughs> no, um, microbes are so the germ theory is is uh, that's 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 gonna come in like yeah. what five hundred years. Um, so they're kind of far from that. Yeah. So so I mean they had a little bit of there was an attempt to treat these patients mm-hmm. in a in a somewhat medical way, but in the Christian world. There was also the strong belief that illness was caught was linked to faith. Mm. So if you uh, believed in God enough, they thought that that would cure you. Mm. They thought that if you had a strong belief in God and a strong constitution, mm-hmm. that helped. That helps. <laughs> um, then just the... just sprinkle that in there. Like if you have a strong faith and also immune to plague, <laughs> you're gonna be immune from plague. Yeah, and then so so they thought that if if you had a strong belief in God, like a strong faith, then the poison would be expelled through the ulcers. And you would be saved. If the person died, often people were like, maybe you just didn't believe in God strong mm. enough. Maybe you're going to hell then because you died of plague. <laughs> maybe mm. you were just too sinful. I'm thinking that maybe a part of this is also like, because Europe at this time was like a complete utter misery, right? And I'm thinking like, it probably didn't help that people believed that they would probably go to hell if they died. Whereas the Muslim world is like, if you die, you're going to paradise. Whereas mm. like, it's not great. Like, I, I don't think that people will, like, seek out to become infected because people would still want to be alive, obviously. Mm-hmm. But at least it's, like, some comfort to the dying. Yeah, I mean, having a positive outlook does help. Exactly. Laughter is the best medicine. The Muslims <laughs> knew that. And that's why they were saved from the Black Death. <laughs> you can quote me on that. Please don't. 
However, it wasn't just doctors who dealt with the plague. Educated men. Uh, and I say men because that's statistically what the case is. Uh, not being sexist, that's just all of Europe, unfortunately, until 2003. <laughs> but every village in Europe, practically, every town, every city, was affected by the plague. Rich and poor, mostly poor, but like people were affected. And this is a time when there isn't like an international medical community. You can't go to the WHO and be like, hey, I need an emergency medical tent here. Like, mm -hmm. you're going to your local lord being like, hey, we're all dying of plague here. What are you going to do? So every village had their own method of dealing with it. But there were some commonalities. For example, like if uh, some villages that were isolated would implement strict quarantines. No one enters the mountain range where this village is. No one. If they are, they kill you. <laughs> on sight. It's on sight. It's on sight. Uh, don't come here. Uh, many towns instituted like quarantines, local quarantines. Some areas would board up infected households, people that they knew had plague. They would just board up their houses, close their windows, close their doors, until they were either dead or had survived, which is like the harshest quarantine possible. Like this is lockdown. You're literally not allowed to leave the house. But that also kind of worked. But it's got to be horrific for the person who's like stuck inside and seeing their likely half of their family. Yeah, die. that's almost like being buried alive, you know? Yeah. In a sense. But they might survive and then they might be let out. Might be. Big, big might be. <laughs> Statistically, yeah. they probably died. Mm. And and they, because they would board people up for like over a month. Mm -hmm. Like symptoms would set in like after a week. Would said, they right? check in on them or did they wait for them to? They, they would check in on them. Mm -hmm. like, uh, like a plague doctor would like go around like a neighborhood and be like, mm -hmm. knock on doors and be like, if they knock back, they're alive. If they don't <laughs> knock back, they're dead. So guess we but leave how, this closed for another I mean, month. How did, they make, how did they make sure that they weren't still sick? Like what if they were, they would knock back, but they're still covered in boils? Oh, that's why they would make, wait a full month. Usually longer. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And like, if, if you open the door and the doc and like the person who's like responsible for letting people out see that you're still sick, then you're still like, oh, no, not the month. <laughs> Sucks. You, why would you lie to me? I'm just gonna... I'm just gonna lock you up again. <laughs> You're just wasting my time. Back in the coffin you mm -hmm. go. Um, this was, you know, lockdowns. Still practiced today in pandemics. Some areas in Italy, though, had a rather, like, much more successful method of dealing with the... Mm -hmm. dealing with the what was the method? Yeah. Uh, well, in Milan, this was practiced more, very specifically. It was very, very good. Was it a burning? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is... Um, God. When, ev when someone was suspected of uh -huh. having the plague, they would be locked in their house with their family mm -hmm. uh, and burned down with the house. Yeah. And along with all of their belongings, all of their clothes, things that they had touched, usually like their uh, their livestock as well, like everything right. that I they mean, had to be just burned to a crisp. And it worked. It no, was successful, right? It was right? so because successful. all the fleas, because I mean, yeah. you know, the fleas are not just like on the body. I mean, you, you, they also get in your possessions, on your clothes, mm -hmm. every member of your family probably the animals mm -hmm. so it sucks but yeah. i can also see why that would be efficient yeah that's one reason why the city of milan for example mm -hmm. had like minor outbreaks compared to the rest of europe where like half of the population would die uh, not milan though because they burned you to a crisp if they suspected <laughs> of you of having plague you didn't actually you have, get a, have plague you, you get have a, a sniffle and yeah, you're just like i was about to say yeet <laughs> now your family's dead <laughs> shouldn't have sniffled mm. So these are, uh, these are some methods. I'm going to come back to a bit more uh, about other methods that happened a bit later in the epidemic and at the end of it mm -hmm. and directly following it. But I'll do that later. And these methods obviously kind of 
quote unquote worked. Although they were a bit inhumane. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bit. <laughs> a bit. But you know, whatever works. Mm. But what did people at the time think was happening? Because this is still medieval Europe. Mm. Like there is a very shaky foundation of science and medicine and you know people don't really know what's going on like when it comes when it comes to like medicine and science it's a it's a shit show like (laughs) i mean people don't know anything Mm -hmm. it's a it's a mishmash of theories and the black death is not an exception to the rule so there's a lot of things that people believed may have been the cause of the black death obviously um because europe was so deeply religious it being a punishment from God was kind of a major theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were a few other theories circulating at the time of the plague. The very first one, which we've already kind of mentioned, is the miasma theory. So this theory held that diseases such as cholera, chlamydia, and the plague were caused by a miasma, which comes from the ancient Greek word for pollution. In the context of the plague, physicians believed that The plague was caused by a poisonous vapor or mist contaminated with particles from rotting organic bodies. Actually, just as a side note, in addition to the theory that miasma caused infectious disease, this actually extended to other conditions as well. So academics in the 19th century believed that one could become obese by inhaling the odor of food. I get that. I feel like I gain like 10 pounds (laughs) when I smell a donut. (laughs) But like, that's good to mention because like this theory of like bad air... Uh, persisted for a long time and also kind of makes sense a little bit right because if rotting bodies you you don't want to have that around because you will that will cause illness so so you know we are evolved to smell out things that are bad right right? but just because you're not smelling something doesn't mean that there's no germs there just because you stuff your beak with plants mm-hmm. doesn't mean that that's going to protect you but from it helps. Per- well yeah but that's because you're wearing a beak not because you're not smelling the smell mm-hmm. so i would like to draw a distinction here it is not the same i see where you're coming from but it's not the same but it helps it does not it's not it's not real but it helps okay disposing bodies because they smell bad you're disposing bodies that helps the beak helps. I would just like to make it clear that I'm not a proponent of the miasma theory. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not saying it's the correct theory. Yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> so the miasma theory was replaced by the germ theory of disease in the 19th century. Mm. Um, so that stipulated that disease was actually caused by germs, not by smells. Another common theory that people used to explain the Black Death was planets. So on March 20th, 1345... A planetary alignment occurred that some medieval scholars believed caused the Black Death. At 1 p.m., a triple conjunction of Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars occurred in the 40th degree of Aquarius. Each of these planets were associated with specific bodily humors, and so these three planets in conjunction held sway over the warm and moist humors that were thought to adversely affect health. So um, all the early astrology astrology girls were like... (laughs) It's because of the Mer- planets. Mercury's in retrograde. Me- Mercury's in retrograde. Now we have the Black Plague. <laughs> uh, the Black Death. Lastly, some people believed that earthquakes were the cause of the plague. So there was a series of earthquakes that shook various cities in Italy and Germany in April 1348. In the same year, the weather was unusually hot. These environmental conditions were believed to cause unbalanced humors, which led to the development of the plague. So there's a lot of humors 
humor's related mm. theories here. I mean, it is the the prime theory, right? Of mm. of like how health works at this time. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, but they just haven't figured out what what affects the humors mm. fully yet. Like planets, earthquakes, weather. Like you know, they're it's bad science, but they're getting there slowly. <laughs> slowly. They're doing their best. They're doing their best. In addition to these false explanations for the plague. There are also a lot of things that people thought um, wrongly <laughs> that could cure the plague. And they, they they had, I mean, they had a lot of theories. They, they were trying so many things. Like, these people were really trying. Um, here are some of the things that one might consider doing if they had the plague. If you have, the, if I have the plague, as we have determined that I will have, mm-hmm. how, how what, what should I do? Well, you could start by avoiding breathing the same air as a plague victim. Smart. It's not, I mean, it's not wrong. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, it, it, you know, the reason for it might be misunderstood, but it doesn't hurt. Yeah, it doesn't hurt. Second thing, sit next to a blazing fire. Mm. Um, I think this has something to do with the with the belief that, like, you would sweat out the poisons. Mm, that makes sense. Um, three, live in a house sheltered from the wind and never open the windows. So just well, quarantine. Quarantine, yeah. But, in, but also, I think the air, you know, they would think that, like, if you close the windows, you don't let any, like, bad air mm. like, come inside the house. Don't let anyone cough into your into your windows. Yeah. That, you know, that makes sense. Uh, four, attack foreigners and people of a different religion. <laughs> just attack foreigners. Attack them. Attack them. <laughs> they have the plague. But again, like, like the village in the mountains that attacks everyone who comes into it. Like, if you kill everyone who... Potentially could have the plague. Right, but what... Okay. That is a good... That is a quarantine. Yes. Probably not great. But but, but I mean, okay, like, let's say you have somebody in your village going on a trip and then they come back. They're not a foreigner, so you don't attack them, but they're still... That's fair. That's true. You know? I mean... But I mean, with COVID, Mm -hmm. if you're a citizen of a country, you can come back. Let's not... Okay, I don't want to... I actually don't want to compare the plague to COVID, so let's not draw those those comparisons. Mm. Uh, Five... Ensure that the cities are cleaned of waste and no bad smells are present. Clean of waste? Yep. That's good. That's good. Carry flowers, herbs, or spices and raise them to your nose frequently. Smells. Mm-hmm. Live a separate life. See no one. <laughs> See no one. <laughs> See no one. <laughs> be, be alone. Be an incel and you will be free from plague. Run away to the country, leaving your old life behind. We wish. Become Stardew Valley. <laughs> Go to church and ask for forgiveness. Repent for your sins. Forgive me, Father. I have plague. Lastly, go on a pilgrimage. Punish yourself in public by joining the flagellants. Oh, I'm going to talk about flagellants a little bit later. I know you you want to. Um, So all of these are kind of like reasonable. Like they make sense, right? Like Mm -hmm. stay away from other people. Ask for Um, forgiveness from the church. Well, okay, fine. Most of them make sense. Uh, Stay away from other people. Quarantine. um, Clean waste. Those make sense. There are a lot of rules that made no sense, like no sense at all, such as not eating poultry, not sleeping in the daytime, avoiding hard labor, not eating olive oil, not bathing, and avoiding thinking about death and other unpleasant thoughts. On the contrary, it was encouraged to think about beautiful landscapes and gold and silver and precious stones. Apparently, it would, uh, it would provide comfort to the soul and would prevent you from, from getting the plague, of course. I love thinking about gold. Yeah, just uh, gold. Gold, silver, precious stones. <laughs> I so, feel so healthy. I, you know, I, I don't think I ever think about those. Like, that is a thought that have, has never entered my mind. You have a bit of, like, precious stone energy. I no, I don't. You have some precious stones, don't you? No. 
I feel like maybe that's why my immune system is so weak. I need to, <laughs> I need to think more precious stones. I, I, I literally don't. Like I have, I have a fair amount of piercings, so I wear like. Well, there you go. What, but yeah, but that's not precious stone. It's like, it's like um, uh, titanium. <laughs> titanium maybe is a. It's not. It's a, maybe 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 it is. Okay, whatever. It's a precious metal, like it's gold and silver. <laughs> All right. Titanium. All right. That's why you have a good immune system. Okay. But so clearly people people had a lot of ideas mm-hmm. about the plague. Um, and most of them were not good. But somehow it went away. How did it go away? Well, first of all, it killed like 60% of your population. Mm-hmm. That's probably the first thing to sort of mention. That's like it did go away after like it going away wasn't like a sign I mean I guess it was a sign of relief but it wasn't like ah we have been saved like Mm. it came it killed everyone it could and Mm. then it left it did its rounds but that also means that there are fewer people around to to carry it and to infect others yeah yeah so the population was really culled and obviously it was harder for the disease to spread Mm. from person to person yeah especially since urban centers were like especially hard hit Mm -hmm. with play people also fled cities quite a lot like they Mm -hmm. would believe and sit like set up a farm in the mountain somewhere just away from people because they were Mm -hmm. afraid and because like many villages and cities started realizing the sort of benefits of quarantines Mm -hmm. so they would quarantine both themselves and like segments of the town suspected plague victims uh, and that probably helped as well i wonder if people at the time were (laughs) anti-quarantine Oh, probably. Do you think people complained about having to stay home? I mean, people probably were. Like, if you were healthy and you were, like, pretty confident that your village was healthy Mm -hmm. and And someone was, like, suspected, like, oh, we should quarantine because there's one suspected plague victim, maybe you would be a bit pissy. But I also think that, like, most people would be like, it's the plague. Mm -hmm. I'm staying home. Mm. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm going to die. I feel like people with COVID, like people. I, no, no, no. Sorry, I realized. I realized. <laughs> let's not. Yeah, no, let's not. Um, let's not talk about no. COVID. But I'm. I mean, I'm guessing that like I think people who are deeply religious, or at least in that time, maybe could have been very like convinced that their faith could save you, could save them. So I could see them being like, "Well, I don't. I don't need to stay home. Mm-hmm. Like, I. I know God is on my side." And then go to church with a bunch of other people, and you know. Like, start a hotspot. <laughs> yeah. One explanation is that, like, because it killed so many people, like, it didn't kill everyone, mm-hmm. right? People did survive. And there is a theory that it may have built some sort of herd immunity mm-hmm. in combination with, like, quarantines, fewer people to do it. And because Europe had become less dense. All of these things in combination helps. I also I also read that um, because there were so many bodies, the practice of cremation started taking hold instead of... Uh, burials and that also helped with the decrease in infections yeah probably um but lastly you know the plague never really went away fully the the epidemic the the crisis of it went away but there were still sporadic outbreaks in isolated pockets up until very recently and up until today but we'll talk about that Mm -hmm. like the modern Mm -hmm. the modern plague um but it didn't really didn't fully go away then it still hasn't So everything that we've talked about so far are things that have happened either during or before the pandemic or the epidemic. I keep saying pandemic, that's incorrect. But I want to talk a bit about like the consequences 
how did the world change because of this epidemic? Or at least like in the later stages of it and directly afterwards. Obviously, Europe was mostly affected. Up to 60% of the population was gone, as we mentioned, which obviously changes the entire world of geopolitics and economy, social relations, entire families had died, interpersonal relationships had changed, like the entire fabric of society had been partially destroyed. And the entire social order and the economy of the region was like devastated for almost 200 years. And I'm gonna get into some examples. I'm gonna start with some quaint examples. For example, because the plague also affected animals like pigs and sheep, and because like farmers died and couldn't tend to their animals, the disruption to the economy actually caused a wool shortage. And this led to the price of wool increasing exponentially, even though 60% of customers had died. Cattle, however, was not affected. Uh, so the price of beef and grain plummeted. So food prices were pretty good uh, for those who had survived. Good time for ranchers if they survived. Uh, generally though, the wages for laborers increased mm. because the, the shortage of laborers meant that uh, lords suddenly had to actually compete for their labor. Prices soared uh, pretty quickly and it led to what some historians say are like an awakening of self-determination mm -hmm. in laborers. Mm -hmm. Previously, before the plague, like every, everyone was just sort of like, yeah, I'm a serf, I'm a, I'm a peasant, I'm a laborer, like I don't have any money, I'm poor. And that's just the, my lot in life. But now people realize, oh. My labor has value. And I can actually make some money. Yeah. yeah I, can, I can move and improve my own destiny. And that was pretty, that was pretty significant actually. But it should be noted that for most skilled artisans and workers, they did see a decrease in the wages, like skilled laborers mm -hmm. uh, saw a decrease because, you know, half of their customer base had died. Mm. And also, you know, the entire like supply chain of resources had also become mm. severely affected. And I guess like when it came to like rebuilding the world, luxury items were not a high priority. So people mm. were, were competing more for like... Hard labor mm. for, for food, for building supplies. Yeah, for basic resources. But not so much like um, like jewelry mm. or cool clothes. <laughs> exactly. But because laborers got an increase in wages, whereas artisans and skilled workers got a decrease, and lords, obviously they had to pay their workers now, uh, they saw a decrease. Peasants realized that they had political power, which led to a spring of peasants' uprisings all over Europe. Almost all of which were brutally crushed by, by the lords. Like, they might pay you more, but don't, don't start thinking that you can become the lord or you can mm. have some peasant council or a republic. No, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. The lord is still in charge. And that's because uh, the lord has a horse and a sword. You don't. Them's the bricks. There is some idea, and it's a bit of a myth, that the plague was like good for people in the long term because of these social and uh, economic changes. But they were pretty short-lasting. And because, you know, 60% of the continent is dead, it's a pretty bad deal. Like, it's not worth it. And that's sort of the economic impact of it. But other changes occurred because people didn't fully understand the nature of the plague, right? As we mentioned, people thought about the planets and uh, the humors and uh, the, re the religious aspects of it all. Uh, and as you mentioned, some people started flagellating, mm -hmm. which means to punish yourself, to emulate the suffering of Jesus Christ. Right. And this specifically means, um, like, hitting yourself yeah. with a... Uh, yeah. Hurting yourself, oftentimes with like a, a type of chain whip that yeah. you would whip on your own back. Yeah, yeah. Um, people would do this at the, in the latter stages of the, of the epidemic and directly afterwards. And they did this for ideally 30 days straight. And there would be long rows of them, of hundreds of people in urban centers, just 
walking and wailing and hitting themselves on the back, bleeding, which is, you know, quite a sight. Yeah, I was going to say, like, considering how little entertainment they had in, in those times and like, you know, since they, they loved watching uh, public hangings and stuff, mm. that must have been quite a spectacle. It must be quite a view. Quite a view. And, and it's also And like, for free? <laughs> for free. And also it was seen as like, they're showing God mm. their love. Because they are they are suffering like Jesus has suffered. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem to have helped against the plague, though. Because mm. bacteria doesn't actually care. In other regions, they blamed heretics and heathens, as you said. Like, attacking foreigners and, mm-hmm. and, and heathens. Either because they had angered God, or because they had caused the plague themselves. Because they just hate good old-fashioned Christians so much. Yeah, I, uh, I remember reading that another common theory for the origin of the plague was... And I mean, this is so awful to say, but they thought that like Jewish people mm-hmm. would, would um, poison wells, mm-hmm. right? I'm go- I'm, that's, that's what I'm getting into. Okay. And before I go into this, I am going to give a quick trigger warning about violent anti-Semitism. So a lot of towns blamed their Jewish populations yeah. for this. And there are a few reasons why. First of all, they thought that the Jews were poisoning wells of Christian villages. And that's why people got sick in order to kill them off, and to take their gold. Like, really just oh baseline, horrific, medieval anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. But one reason why some towns thought this is because Jewish villages and families and areas of towns and so on, they got m- significantly less sick of the plague. Like, Jewish communities yeah, were not were... as impacted by the plague as Christians were. And there are a few reasons as to why that is. Not just no. because they washed their hands. Damn. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was ready to to to, to pummel through because they were cleaner. Well, and they were cleaner, they were. and that's a big part of it. But there are other reasons as well. For example, Jewish populations in urban centers lived in isolated ghettos, like mm. they had their own parts of of towns and cities, which act as a type of quarantine, like an inadvertent type of quarantine. Like you know, the Christians don't talk to the Jews that much. Uh, the Jews don't touch Christians that much. They kind of keep to themselves. Mm-hmm. That means that like when the plague hits, there's a, there's a buffer there. Another reason is that they also had their own wells in these sections of town. And people often like speculate that like, it's the, like this plague came from the water. Like the wells were somehow connected to it. And because the Jews weren't as sick, they, they, they thought that like oh, they're, they're poisoning our wells. Mm-hmm. They're, putting, they're putting something in our wells to kill us all. Now, a lot of this led to communities sort of purging their own Jewish populations as they blamed them for the plague. They would either quarantine them, which is like lesser, but many towns would just cast them out of the villages. Some people would burn out their Jewish populations, literally. Some would straight up kill them. Um, And so the violence against Jewish populations at this time really hit a fever pitch. Now, something that like a lot of lords kind of already knew was that like most like learned men and people in charge, they knew that the Jews didn't actually cause a plague. Like, they could hear stories from, like, the ports, that the, the, the plague had, like, reached the ports, and then it came here. They knew that it wasn't actually the Jews' fault. But, like, once a few people suspected the Jews, it was an excuse to sort of, like, be violent, to initiate pogroms, to be... to just, like, ramp up your anti-Semitism that was already present in medieval Europe at this time. It actually reached such a point of violence that Pope Clement VI who was Pope at the time, had to issue two papal bulls, which is basically the Pope saying, like, hey, do a thing or stop doing a thing. I have to order Christians to to around a little bit. Basically saying, hey, don't blame the Jews. It's not the Jews' fault. 
for once, the Catholic Church was like, don't, it's, it's actually not the Jews' fault here. <laughs> like, maybe we can be a bit more chill towards the Jews. Mm. Uh, an action that was um, completely undone by Holy Roman Emperor Charles IV, who said immediately afterwards that the property of Jews killed in riots uh, was up for grabs. They could have, anyone could have it. It did not uh, become inherited to the families of the Jewish people. Basically, given cities and towns throughout the Holy Roman Empire a financial incentive to riot against Jewish communities. So while the sort of like the plague argument may have like started some speculation, once this like violence against Jewish people started, it sort of, it took on a life of its own because of the violent antisemitism that was around at the time. Other consequences of the plague that are a bit less horrific are the environmental impacts. Uh, environmentalists out there, go you, <laughs> I'm one of you. Um, because the deaths of so many people Many fields that had previously been farmland uh, was left abandoned and left to regrow, which led to uh, like a mass reforestation of Europe that maybe led to the Little Ice Age in Europe between 1400 and 1600, hmm. which, uh, if you don't know what that is, it is a period of time when Europe became very cold. Turns out that the environmental impact of humans in an area is drastically reduced when there are 60% less humans in that area. Also, the geopolitics of the region completely shifted. Some cities were hit harder than others. Some kingdoms were basically spared, when others were almost completely obliterated. Many larger cities didn't regain their population until the 20th or 19th century, like very, very recently, either because of the plague itself or because of the hundreds of thousands of people fleeing the plague because people knew that like i don't want to i don't want to live in plague town plague town by the way is the like the dark version of flavor town oh uh, another consequence was that the price of land dropped significantly as did the price of bread as i mentioned because those who survived the plague found themselves in a europe where land was like very free or straight up cheap because so many people had died and the survivors had in many cases also inherited wealth and land from their dead relatives even like poor people like if you're the only one left in your village the village is yours now <laughs> congratulations you're a lord <laughs> so for landowners this was awful but for some this meant a lot more political and economic power like i said before with the laborers but now we're talking about like distribution of land. And this may have contributed to the growing instability of the institution of feudalism itself in Europe. Because there is less power from the top, more power from the bottom. Like laborers and small landowners are getting significantly more power. And people had more means to protect themselves, less need to have a feudal lord to arguably do it for you. And the final, but maybe not so important legacy, but I think it's just good to mention that some people like listening to this have like scree been screaming for for the last two hours is that we have gained the word quarantine from this epidemic because in the city-state of Ragusa they had an isolation time of 30 days which was extended to 40 and thus we get the word quarantine for the Italian word for 40 quaranta mm -hmm. so it's in specifically there which I think is in modern day Croatia Interesting. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, that's, I, that's I, learn, I learn something new every time we record a podcast. Mm -hmm. Isn't that great? And that's, that is the economic and social impacts of the plague, outside of all the deaths. Thank you, Mia. Thank you. Um. History <laughs> drop. That's all I have. So, as we mentioned before, the plague has not entirely disappeared. Mm -hmm. It decreased in incidence in the 14th century and then it popped up at various times throughout history. Um, it's never been fully eliminated and even today 
there's still places where there's a pretty high incidence mm -hmm. of the plague. These include the Democratic Republic of Congo, Madagascar, and Peru. Globally, there are about 1,000 to 3,000 cases a year. And there are also occasional incidents here and there around the world, but they're more a freak incidents than anything else. For example, in June 2018, a child was confirmed to be the first person in Idaho to be infected by the bubonic plague in nearly 30 years. Fortunately, the plague is treatable by the use of antibiotics, including aminoglycosides like streptomycin and gentamicin, tetracyclines, and fluoroquinolones. Other treatments include oxygen, IV fluids, and respiratory support. When treated, plague mortality is at about 1% to 15%, mm -hmm. I guess, depending on your constitution. And your piety. And your piety. It, that is a joke. Uh, <laughs> that is a joke. I know you all know it's a joke, but I just want to say it is a joke. Um, also, a plague vaccine has been developed in the late 19th century, but its effectiveness is not high enough to justify for the risks. So it comes with a lot of like side effects. Mm -hmm. Therefore, people who have been exposed to the bacteria are recommended to go through the course of antibiotics. Mm. But speaking of that, speaking of antibiotics, there is a fear currently in the medical community that I found that plague may be, may be coming back mm -hmm. as one of the most dangerous threats that we can face because... Um, there, is, there is a fear that it might develop a resistance to antibiotics. And if that happens, we are boned. Yeah. I'm guessing. Well, that's, we're boned if any sort of disease happens. Yeah, that, right? overuse of antibiotics is a real problem. Mm -hmm. And it has already happened. An antibiotic-resistant plague bacterium was discovered in Madagascar in 1995. And it caused a small outbreak in 2014. Small outbreak. Okay, we're still fine. But in 2017, very recently... It started a proper epidemic, killing over 170 people and infecting thousands more. There's also been some concerns that plague might be used as like a bioweapon mm, or like a bioterrorism. Yeah. And like it's been used as a bioweapon like in wars before, both like by Mongolians to like laying siege to cities, but also like in the Second World War. Wait, weren't people throwing corpses of mm. people who died from the plague over the over the yeah. walls of forts? Uh, yeah, that that is um, probably sometime in the thirteen, in the late thirteen hundreds, mm. in in modern day Crimea. Mm -hmm. So like where it started, like where when the plague hit there, they used that as siege weaponry. That's awful. Yeah, throwing it in the castle and letting them have the plague. Splat, splat. It's really horrific. Uh, but even like even up to the Second World War, it was used. the The Japanese Imperial Secret Weapons Unit, Unit Seven Three One dropped plague-infected fleas on civilian uh, centers in China, causing mass outbreaks. And there is some concern that, like, if, if someone gets a hold of, like, plague mm. that is, like, resistant to antibiotics mm. and spreads it, mm. that's a, yeah, that's that's a, a huge bioterrorism factor. Yeah, that's a very real concern. Mm. But obviously, like, we're not, we're not just fighting plague with antibiotics. Like, mm -hmm. there, are, there are many different ways to sort of, like, deal with a plague outbreak, right? You can quarantine, good hygiene, things of that nature, right? So we don't... Even if they become resistant to antibiotics, we have ways of, like, helping patients and quarantining outbreaks. So there, you know, we, we know better now than we did in the Middle Ages. Mm. Plus we have, you know, international cooperation and the internet. Mm. 
So that's the Black Death, the most deadly epidemic in the history of the world. We learned a lot. We learned a lot. We learned that not only will it kill you in three different, various horrifying ways, but even if you don't die of the plague, maybe a plague doctor will come and burn you down in your own house. So truly one of the worst periods of, of human history to be in. I know. I'm so glad I wasn't born in mm-hmm. like 1350. People talk about like 2020 being the worst year ever. Like nah, 1347, I would yeet myself off a cliff. <laughs> Don't don't bother burning my house down. I will do it myself. I'll do it myself. Oh, I have plague? That doesn't matter. I'm poor. <laughs> I'm a laborer and I work in the fields all day. I have no horse. I have no, <laughs> no ox. Horse. I'm 14 oh. years old. My three kids hate me. <laughs> There's no Netflix. I I, well, I guess Netflix is the flagellants. Yeah. They come to your house. You if you if you are bored of one of them, you can always look at another one. <laughs> We can all be thankful that we that we don't have the bubonic plague. Yeah, be it's like a life concern for us anymore. Absolutely, that's something to be grateful for. I will be writing it in my gratitude journal. Don't ha- doesn't have plague today. Don't have plague. Score. Score. Anyway, this was Leechfest, and my name is Raluca Montano. Uh, and I am Mia, the plague doctor, Mulder. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh. Hold on, why do you get to be the plague doctor? Because I died of plague. No, 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 I'm the scientist. Yeah, so you're a real doctor. You're me. Yeah, you're a real doctor. <laughs> I'm not a doctor. Ha- like I'm not a, a doctor. Ma- I'm not a doctor. Sure, but you you have like a lab coat and like glasses. Yeah, you're like, you're, a, a, you're a real coat. scientist. I'm the person walking around with like big like bottles on my no, eyes to prevent I... evil eye. Hold on, hold on, and hold I'm on. I'm pious. I'm a pious no, trend. No, 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 no. Hold on. I want the beak. I deserve the beak. Fine, you can have the beak. You can be Mia Mulder died a horrible death. <laughs> died a horrible death. Mia died a horrible death, Mulder. I would thrive as a plague doctor. You, you know I would. You would. You know this. I would thrive as a plague victim. <laughs> Siki. Siki. <laughs> Lay in bed. I can't work. Sorry. Can't, I can't make a YouTube video today. I got the plague. Streams cancelled. Streams cancelled. <laughs> Podcast uh, postponed because I have the plague. I have the bubonic plague. My bubos are hurting today, Ooh. lads. I can't. Wait, uh, okay, complete, this is, obviously, this is, we're, 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 we're not, this is a fun end of the episode where we just, like, talk shit, mm-hmm. but I love, um, sometimes I think about, like, what would, what would I have done if I was born in, like, the 14th century? I think I would either be a plague doctor, or I would be, like, a nun in a monastery, mm. like, um, like a, like a, like a nurse nun. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would be cool, you yeah. know? You live by yourself, or you don't live by yourself, but, like, you live, uh, isolated you can grow herbs you can um brew beer brew beer yeah you can have goats mm-hmm. i favorite part yeah live, you can, live with all women yeah live with all women it's i mean i get i mean i i know that it was still dangerous i mm-hmm. don't want to think about that um but i feel like if i had to choose between being like a villager slash laborer and being a nun i would totally be a nun mm. I feel like I would be one of those people who leave, leaves my old life behind at the first sign of plague in my town. Well, okay, I but would like, go and set up, like, I would become a wild person, like, in the yeah, forest. Yeah, yeah, but no, Set no, no, up a but, little hut, hunt rabbits, and that, and then die the following winter. But I, I okay, but we're not, I'm not talking about, like, plague times necessarily. I'm just talking about, like, what job would you have if you were a medieval person? Oh, I think this would still be me, just in the Middle Ages, even if there wasn't a plague outbreak. Like, I would, I would be lent, uh, rent, I... I would be laid in like a rent payment or something and just be like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm walking into the forest. 
be gone. What, what would you do? Would you just be like a wild person? Yeah, I would be a wild person. I, have... I, would, I would dress in pelts. I would come into town once every three months to sell my pelts. They would and and buy and buy like a block of cheese. That do you think they would let you? Months. I feel like they would stone you. No, they would let me. Okay. Like I, f- I, I, would, I would still be Christian. I would go to the priest and be like, "I'm sorry, Father, for I have <laughs> for I have not come to confession every Sunday because I've been in the woods." <laughs> I've been in the woods, but I've got I got pelts though. Do you want pelts? People in the Middle Ages they went wild for pelts. They did like they pl- would. Okay, okay. Can I? Because okay. I also I think if I, because I I have I have two options right now. I have a uh, plague doctor. I have nurse. Uh, um, nun nurse mm-hmm. for adoption. Shepherd. I could totally be a shepherd. Mm. My last name, Muntano, actually that's um, that's Romanian for mountain person. Uh, so I think it's in my genes. I think I'm meant to be a shepherd. Just walking around like a hilltop somewhere with yeah, like sheep. with my with my sheep and my dogs. I would fry as a shepherd. Are you kidding me? I wonder if you would have a dog. I, uh, yes. Depends on where in Europe. I would have so many dogs. Maybe a horse. Maybe. A stick. A stick. Um, anyway, anyway that's, the black, that's the Black Death. Apparently, we're romanticizing the Middle Ages now, despite yeah. 60% of the population dying. But, you know, if you survived, you inherited land if you, and riches. If you were a shepherd, you you didn't really see other people. So, you, pro- you probably had a pretty good shot at yeah, surviving. Yeah, but your sheep could get big. Not if you... There's a wool shortage. Not remember? if you... Not if you kept them separate from other sheep. Other sheep. Yeah, but how would you how would you do that? By living on the mountain with your then sheep. you're not going to make any money. I'm seeing flaws in your logic. See, me, my, my dream of becoming a wild person is like sustainable, uh, or my other plan of becoming a plague victim is also like realistic. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it's good to dream. It's good to dream. If you want more Leechfest content, you can find us on Twitter at Leechfest Podcast. Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Leechfest Pod. You can also find us on Patreon, where you can support the podcast if you are so inclined. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to see Mia shitpost, go to her Twitter. Page. <laughs> go to my Twitter. <laughs> I do not have one. I'm well, not, we have I'm a... not allowed one. You are managing our podcast account, though. Yeah, but I can shitpost from that account. No, because you have like, you want to be professional. I want to. Yeah. There's no professionality on my Twitter, though. If, yeah, you, if so. you want pure, unadulterated plague victim content. <laughs> Go to my go to my Twitter. Have a great rest of the day and we will see you on the next episode. We'll see you then. Don't get the plague. <laughs>